Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to week three of the Resource Insider Podcast, quarantined edition. Uh, today on the podcast, I am talking to a friend of mine named Willem Middlecomp. Uh, and if you haven't heard that name before, you should have. He is a fund manager based out of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. His fund is called the Commodity Discovery Fund. And you've probably guessed it, they are focused on discovery and finding new mining resource assets around the world and financing those, uh, those projects. So we're going to chat today uh, about Willem's view on what's going on in the world. Willem wrote a book that I read about a year and a half ago called The Big Reset, where, well, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Willem's going to tell you a lot about that. And we're going to talk about how he's managing his portfolio as a professional fund manager focused on the mining and metal space. So without further ado, Willem, thanks for uh, taking a moment. Well, great to be back. Uh, welcome to our uh, heritage office just outside Amsterdam. This is a 400-year-old building and you should come and visit one day. I will. I see you've built a command center there on the other side. You're, <laughs> there's a lot of well, graphs and charts going on. Th this is our trading room. Uh, so we do a lot of trading ourselves. We have a full-time uh, trader. Um, he just left. Um, <laughs> so his shift is still 8 p.m. And um, actually, I'm here um, alone by myself now. So it's nice and quiet. So, but we have four positions like this. So um, it's, it's, it's a nice office to work. It's, it's very close to the beach. <laughs> it's very close to Schiphol Airport. It's close to Amsterdam. So it's a great location. Good. So for those who are not familiar with the Commodity Discovery Fund, can you give them sort of the overview of what you guys do, what you're focused on? Yeah, 20 years ago, I was a, um, um, 25 years ago, I was a real estate investor, private real, real estate investor. Um, I used quite a bit of leverage. Um, and then I started to study uh, monetary cycles, monetary system. And then I became quite scared after the early 2000s. Um, I thought we were in a huge bubble. And then I, um, um, at that time, I was also working as a journalist. Uh, worked for national TV as a market commentator. But then in 2008, when the crisis arrived, I wrote my first book. I published my first book in 2007. It um, actually was um, uh, predicting that we would have a major crisis in the international monetary system within 10 to 15 years. And it all happened within 12 months. That made me quite famous in the Netherlands. And then I stopped, to, um, stopped working as a journalist. I had sold some real estate in the early 2000s. I started to invest in mining uh, 2003, 2004 as a private investor. And then I uh, discovered what I call the power of discoveries when you invest in exploration companies doing a major discovery. I was a very early investor in Aurelian Resources. Um, that went from 30 cents to $40. And then I started building on two companies. One was a bullion um, web shop, Amsterdam Gold. I sold that one uh, in 2011. I started in 2008. We had 100 million in uh, yearly sales. And um, I also started the Commodity Discovery Fund in 2008 to be a, pro a professional investor in, uh, in the discovery, uh, discovery space, the junior space. Um, we have 750 um, retail. Uh, high net worth investors, mainly Dutch. Um, uh, we've had net inflow every year. Um, last few days were incredible. Uh, now the gold window has closed and people can't buy any physical anymore. They look for proxies and 
we've been accumulating ounces, you know, for years, ounces in the ground. Um, so that's, uh, that's a high leverage in our fund, not financially, but from mm -hmm. an operational point of view. And people understand that. And we, we communicate a lot. We send a lot of research out. And, uh, well, that's what we do. Oh, I, I want to add one more thing. Um, so we invest in early stage exploration stuff. But we only concentrate on uh, the world-class discoveries because the world-class discovery is always taken out by a major looking for reserve. We had 61 takeouts, buyouts in the last, uh, since inception, in the last 12 years. And, um, um, well, that's our story. So, Willem, I'd like to get into a little more detail on that. So you and I have a very similar view on this. At Resource Insider, we're very focused on early-stage deals, primarily into exploration stories with big discovery potential, much yeah. like the Commodity Discovery yeah. Fund. Can you give our, our readers a bit of more of an overview of why discoveries, why there's such a asymmetric opportunity there to make money and why that of all the mining sector and commodity space, et cetera, et cetera, that you could have focused on, that's where you have made a sort of a laser focus for your investing career. Yeah, it is a very tough business we're in. Uh, in mining, uh, to invest in mining. Uh, and actually, I, I made a huge mistake. You know, I started a, disc a commodity fund in 2008, which was the top of the last cycle. So I only experienced the bear market in the last 11, 12 years. Um, but we had three amazing years, 2009, 2010, and 2016. And the returns were 70, 80, 90%. And what, what I learned very early on in my investment career as a private investor, that um, when you invest in um, the smaller companies doing a world-class discovery, they, they outperform um, the other companies. And, um, and um, especially in the boom market, um, in the boom market, you'll get amazing results. But even in a bear market, you outperform the index and uh, the other, other mining funds. Well, it's interesting because there's so few opportunities for a tiny, uh, in many cases, very unvaluable company to come across an extremely valuable asset. And the best parallel I can think of that is, is in tech, right? When some little nothing company run out of somebody's garage, yeah. all of a sudden comes up with some new technology, whether it's the Apple computer or Facebook or what have you. And then all of a sudden, the, the magnitude of the value in that company, the, the differential is just nearly unheard of. The, the same in biotech. And I always use those, um, um, I always use those examples as, uh, as another form of discovery investing. So you can mm. do the same in tech or in biotech or in pharma. Um, but with we like Keith Barron, um, the, the famous geologist who discovered Trudeau Norte in Ecuador. He once said, you know, you, you have this piece of real estate, piece of land, which is worth nothing. And then you make a discovery and then the, the same piece of real estate, the same piece of land is worth billions. Voice yeah. Bay was a, was a wonderful example. Um, we're invested in uh, a new discovery uh, in Australia, the grey mining. They're up 300% this year. Everything crashed up 300%. So uh, if you're lucky enough, yeah. It's these, these tier one assets. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether gold's at $1,000 an ounce or $1,800 an ounce. 
There's always a market for tier one assets. They're always going to see huge asymmetric returns and value creation, uh, regardless of what's going on in the broader market, if you can find these tier one assets. And, yeah. and that's the hard part, and, right? And in a bear market, it still is very, very tough because you always, especially when you're a professional fund manager, you spread your risk by having 40, 50, 60 positions. Yep. And maybe five or six of them are in a discovery phase and climbing real you have a steep advance in the share price even uh, during um, periods of market turmoil but the other 45 or 55 investments will just follow the general well um, uh, market uh, turmoil and go down so it can be very frustrating but um, um, if you look at the valuation of commodities, we're at 100-year lows compared to financial assets. Um, the CRB commodity index has the same value now as in the 1960s, before Nixon closed the gold window, before we printed all that money. So I think we're in for a hell of a ride in the next decade, or even yeah. the next two or three years. And that's that's our message to the world. You know this truly once in a lifetime. Can you, can you elaborate on why the fact that the commodity index is so low right now is important? Can you give you know, people at home listening an understanding of what that actually means as an opportunity and what that oh. means from the economic reality of the world today? I, I was a real estate investor in the 90s. Um, and I always thought, um, I wish I could have I could have started in the early 80s, you know, when nobody wanted to have real estate, when interest rates were high, when there was stagflation. And when I was riding the boom market in real estate and took profits, I thought I want to invest in something that's really rock bottom. And gold in, in 2000, 2002 was rock bottom, you know. I started to invest in gold privately. Um, in 2001, 2002, when gold was trading uh, sub $300, when silver was trading $4. Um, and, and now you have this wonderful opportunity again. You know, you, that, there's no, you, nobody, nobody <laughs> will ring the bell at the bottom of, of the market. And you always can go down one more time. I thought the commodity index had bottomed already uh, late 2015, but we made a new low. Um, and, but things are getting so, uh, companies are, are so cheap now. You know, it, it's amazing what you can buy out there um, when you have a little money. So I think we're very close to the real bottom and then the only way is up and that's the great thing. So let's sort of zoom out for a moment and talk a bit more about your book, The Big Reset. You know, before, uh, before we started this conversation, I was kind of giving it a bit of a review and you discussed a lot of the things that are happening today in 2020, back when you wrote that. So when did that come out again? Um, I wrote this one in 2014. Okay, and, so six years um, ago. Yeah. And, and the undertitle is The War on Gold and the Financial Endgame. Um, and actually on, on the back cover, um, 
I wrote, a system reset seems imminent. The world's financial system will need to find a new anchor around 2020. And then I continued about, um, um, well, uh, the current anchor is the US dollar and we need to find a new anchor for the world's financial system. We need to have debt restructurings along the way. And um, I discussed uh, how you could prepare for coming reset and uh, in all likelihood, gold will be reintroduced as one of the pillars uh, of the next phase of the global financial system. Well, that's all there. Um, you can download the book for free. You can buy it at Amazon. Um, be sure you have the revised edition. Um, but you can also download it for free at our website, uh, Commodity Discovery Fund. Google it and it's on our homepage to download it. So can you talk about some of the things that you were seeing uh, back in 2014 that made you confident that this was coming, that made you predict these, these, these events? Yeah, in my first book, which was only published here in the Netherlands um, in 2007, I, I, as I explained, I warned uh, about a coming financial crisis. Um, and in the years after this crisis arrived, uh, people always asked me, how can we solve the crisis? And I always said, well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very happy I could see the crisis coming. And um, I'm very happy that I used gold and silver to, um, to hedge myself. Um, but as I was studying the financial system more and more and became more and more involved with central bankers and the way they think, I started to realize that um, the financial system, the international monetary system, can be changed. It has been changed before. It has been changed in 1940-40 with the Bretton Woods Conference. It has been changed in the 1930s. Um, of course, James Rickards, um, um, his, book, his books really helped me to think, start thinking about this. And then I um, decided to, to, well, to concentrate uh, on, on um, the possibility for a change in the international monetary system, a transformation to a new phase. And it's my thesis that we could use the SDR, um, this, the, the currency basket designed by the IMF, to use as the next anchor for world's financial system. We'll need debt restructurings. Um, and especially everything happening now, you know, uh, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, it was seven, eight hundred billion before Lehman collapsed. Yeah. Um, it, it grew to four trillion and now we are over five trillion on our way to 10 trillion within 12 to 18 months, maybe. And then something needs to give. So Ray Dalio has been talking and writing about the idea of these paradigm shifts that are going on. I think yeah. he cites three things that are, are big issues in the world. You know, the growing amount of debt and printing money, uh, you know, the low, <clears throat> the low level of interest, the low yield we're getting. He also talks about the fact that there's this growing divide between the rich and the poor, this big wealth gap. And he also talks about for the first time, you know, since, World War II, there's an economic power in the world that has the potential to eventually rival uh, the United States, and that's obviously China. So there's all these factors going on, and I mean, Dalio's sort of, uh, not shtick, but his, his thing is to kind of look back through history and look at where we, we've seen these scenarios again. And he's, he's, he's comparing this to several past events, 
what are your views on that? Do you see this as part of the big reset? Is this? Is yeah, this... He, he calls it a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I use the same term in my book. So if you, it doesn't matter if you call it the paradigm shift or the big reset. Um, his main thesis is that in financial markets, the mood can sometimes suddenly change. And he is pointing towards gold. You know, gold was hated in the last 10 to 20 years, especially in the US. Institutional investors are not into gold. They hate it. You know, it's the anti-dollar. And actually, he's predicting that gold will uh, return as a uh, well, standard element in, in, in somebody's portfolio. And I think he is very um, right in, uh, in, t- in, in touching on that. Uh, he also points to the 22 national banks um, who bought gold, fiscal gold, last year to add to their financial reserves. And I think the, the paradigm shift he discussed in um, July last year um, was really the start of maybe a new phase because m- most of the Wall Street banks started to discuss and advise uh, uh, buying gold um, in, in the summer of last year. We had the start of the repo crisis in September last year, and the repo crisis is actually a, a U.S. funding crisis. Um, and now we have the corona crisis adding um, um, a lot of problems to the mix. And, and all the money creation uh, needed now uh, to prevent a real deflationary collapse um, will lead to a debt restructuring in, in, in the future and will lead to uh, huge shifts in, in, in the world's monetary system. But it's, of course, it's all, it's all tricky how, how things will evolve. Yeah. Do you have any feel for what the Western world looks like when it comes out the other side of this? I mean, right now it's great times to be a resource investor. You know, a big chunk of my net worth is tied up in gold stocks and copper stocks and a few other things, but there are going to be real long-term consequences of printing trillions and trillions and trillions yeah. and trillions of dollars. Do you have, do you have a feeling for what the world starts to look like or particularly what the Western world, the Europe's and North America's look like well, in a decade from now? As I wrote in, in, in the big reset, you know, there are two, um, two scenarios. If we, if we can work together, so the West and the East, if they can uh, join forces, we could have um, a quite good scenario in which we can use the IMF, in which we can use the SDR, in which we can have uh, debt restrictions. But if the West and the East start to, um, well, oppose and fight each other, and we've seen a financial economic war in the last uh, 12 months between the US and China, we've seen a financial economic war uh, between Russia and uh, the US in the last five to six years. And what's very interesting that um, Putin um, he opened the floodgates and uh, crashed the oil price. And um, today uh, there was an announcement that uh, the US was willing to talk with Russia about um, the oil situation. So I think Trump um, really understands. He has to uh, 
yeah, he has to join forces with the powers in the East. And um, <laughs> there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot at risk uh, right now. And I hope, I hope Trump, the Trump administration, is, is smart enough to understand that we need to join forces. So given all these things going on in the world, as a commodity investor, how are you managing this? What, do you, what advice do you have for people that are new or newish to the space? You know, perhaps they've been invested in you know, the S&P or the Dow, just traditional equities or bonds, and they're thinking, well, fuck, something's going on here. I need to start repositioning my portfolio. I'm looking at commodities. Where, where do they start? Yeah. Um, when we talk about a paradigm shift, I think um, it's quite... Uh, obvious that we um, we we've experienced a few decades in which financial assets, paper assets, uh, were valued um, more than than real assets. Maybe real estate is 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 a different um, is a different uh, world. But if you look at the world of commodities, the real assets, the valuations, um, they kept getting lower and lower in the last uh, ten years. I think we'll see a big shift. And as a fund manager, we always concentrated on the um, precious metals. Um, around 60, 70, 80% of our positions are always precious metals related because I always wanted to build a fund which could survive a huge crisis. And as we have seen after the collapse of Lehman, the recovery of gold is the first recovery you see after the crash. We've seen a recovery in the last week, last two weeks already. And I think just like um, um, the, the few years after the Lehman collapse, gold and silver can really benefit of uh, things to come. And also platinum, um, I think platinum is, 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 is a wonderful addition to a portfolio. And we haven't changed that much in our portfolio. We went to a cash position of almost 10% six weeks ago because I didn't trust the market. That's very rare for us. We put half of that cash uh, at work already. And when we buy new um, uh, positions, we um, now concentrate on the companies which will recover um, which will recover most um, in the first phase. I think the royalty plays are very safe yeah. now. Some of the major producers who have um, several assets, several producing mines, the ones with one or two mines are very risky because during this crisis, you know, the mines can close down for, for maybe quite long and then you have a cash flow problem. And the companies in the development stage Actually, they're quite safe now because they don't have many boots on the ground. If you look at Solgold, NextGen, they're doing all kinds of studies now and they're not that uh, damaged by, by the current crisis. And an exploration company is doing a wonderful discovery as long as they can keep drilling. You know, you don't need many people out in the camp to have a drill program. Um, so that's, that's, that's the um, places we, we focus on. Yeah, that's, you know, that's almost exactly what we've done as well. So I'm, you know, very pro discovery focused. I'm very pro early stage exploration focused, but in an environment where you're seeing cash flowing royalty companies getting crushed by 30, 40, 
you know, it, it doesn't make sense not to sort of pick the low hanging fruit there and take what I view as not a guaranteed double or triple, but as close yeah. as a guarantee as you're probably ever going to get in this sector. Yeah, Royal Gold is our largest position now. It was a very small position before Corona hit. So that's, that's a great example how you can use the cash. I was very fortunate to have 10% cash. And as, as said, we have a huge inflow. Uh, I think April 1st, we have an inflow of 2 million, which is in our fund, which is less than 40 million euros. Let's say 60 million Canadian. 2 million of inflow in a few weeks. That, that's, that's wonderful because you can buy companies at, at ridiculous prices, you know. Uh, yeah. A 100% gain in the next 18 to 24 months is almost guaranteed. Um, All right. Well, so for those who want to learn more about the Commodity Discovery Fund uh, or you in general, what's the best place to look? Um, um, yeah, well, start with Google, uh, start with our website. We'll have a new website online in two weeks, so it's still the old one. Um, I'm quite active on Twitter, uh, W Middlecoop. Um, I think that's the best place to follow me. Uh, my books you can find on Amazon. Um, there's quite a bit on YouTube um, because I, we do a lot of uh, webinars and interviews. And on co.ca, I have a um, uh, I have a, um, an account named Discoveries, and there's quite a bit of info there, even the long interview you did last year. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening, and I highly recommend you check Willem out and check his fund out. I follow Willem on Twitter. It's both a very valuable and highly entertaining Twitter account to follow. Um, yeah. If you like this video, if you got any value out of it, please hit like, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, that'd be great for us and it would just get these videos out to more people. So thanks for watching and Willem, thank you very much for sitting down with me again. Always a pleasure as per usual. Okay, bye then. Take care.